In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, my guy Richard Stateman is back on again. And we are going to discuss the mid-majors. There's been a lot of talent coming out of mid-majors lately. And the mid-majors are, I mean, I feel like they have so many guys that are using mid-majors as a platform to move up to Power 5 schools. So some of the guys that we're probably going to discuss today maybe are going to be at a Power 5 at this time next year. Maybe they'll be in the NBA draft, but we're going to discuss the guys that a lot of people are not talking about. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And like I mentioned in the opening, Richard Stamen is here again. In the last episode, we did... Oh, man, I feel like I've done so many. I didn't go to sleep last night, so I'm missing a night of sleep. <laughs> Which conference did we do? The ACC. We yep. did the ACC, and now we are on the mid-majors. But before we get into Richard's list, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, if you are a new customer, you get a $150 bonus bet with any $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Also, we want you to share, like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That is the best way that we can grow the channel. Because college basketball season is here. Games are underway. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad college basketball is back. Now we actually have stuff to talk about with actual games as opposed to what ifs and looking at old film. And then I just think, as you get to around October and November, you start maybe overanalyzing guys and, and, and going back and forth and not trusting your gut. So I'm just glad that we got some games to talk about. And I'm looking forward to seeing like who comes out of nowhere and emerges as an NBA prospect. And we've seen it happen in the last couple of years with mid-majors. Brandon Pajemski last year. He had Jalen Williams the year before. So who could be the, the big mid-major surprise this year in your opinion i think it's gonna be he's not so much out of nowhere i think a lot of guys in the draft community are pretty high on him but aj mitchell at uc santa barbara i think he's somebody that if there's anybody who and it's different from pajemski where you know he came out of nowhere he was averaging a point a game in illinois hadn't completely hidden transferred to a better spot but he was an afterthought i think he i i think aj mitchell's that guy I like him a lot. 6-4 point guard, crafty score. He is a, a good passer. Why why are you so high on him? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's just really the productivity, right? Where you look at somebody like him who he's dominated um he's just dominated the mid-majors again in the Big West. It's a little bit different. He's a sophomore, had a great season last year with the assist to turnover 2 to 1. Uh, like his playmaking, I think his jump shot is better than this shooting has indicated so far, uh, about 30% for his college career. But the per, the free throw percentage, like when he gets there, it looks very comfortable. I think he's due if he if he can just get that three-point percentage up. I think we're talking about somebody that 
really emerges. The only awkward thing for him is he's a combo or he's probably he's a point guard. Six four. I don't know. It's probably fine. Uh, as long as he's if he can prove he is a full on point guard and not a combo guard, distinguish that. That would be big for him too. Why why do you think that he could be billed as a combo? To me, I just see him as a strictly point because he averaged five assists a game. He makes good decisions with the ball, and he's a reluctant shooter off the ball. So to me, I just think he is 100% a point guard. Yeah, it's more just a general thing. I mean, almost every school now rolls out multiple guards in their lineups, right? Just be, And I, I think he's probably fine, but this just applies to more guys, I guess, at that height. Is at 6'4", a lot of guys do put themselves in that combo guard slot by accident in a way just because of the nature of the game. Just don't want him falling into that that kind of hole. Yeah, in my notes I have, he's a crafty on-ball scorer and passer, a pick-and-roll playmaker, very unselfish, plays with good poise and patience, good passing instincts and court vision, can get downhill off the bounce, really likes going to his left, um, I mentioned the five assists per game, the good free throw shooting. And then I, I mentioned that he uses like floaters and soft touch finishes around the rim. Efficient score, shot over 50% from the floor in 62 career games. A good finisher in isolation, 64% field goal percentage in isolation. I put that he's a much better pull-up shooter off the dribble than shooting off the catch. And he was very efficient at the rim, shot a little under 67%. My concerns were he just lacks, like, ideal vertical pop and explosiveness, like, around the basket, um, the three-point shooting, like you mentioned. And as a whole, he only shot 32% on, on jumpers. If the jump shot improves, do you think he can be a first-round pick? I think so. I mean, you look at some of these guys who are just the alphas, on these mid-major teams, especially like pre-seniors, like he'll be a junior this year. I think that goes a long way in a weaker class too. You can go probably higher than you would and say if he came out this last year and had the same productivity he's about to have. Are you shocked that he didn't transfer up? I'm sure he probably has a some bit. major offers. <clears throat> you know, you look at a guy like, I don't know if he, he's on your list. Well, he's not on your list because he's already in the SEC, but like Zion. Zion um, Pullum, I think that's his name, um, transferred from one of the California schools to Florida. And, I, I mean, I thought that Mitchell was, like, a better prospect. You look at, like, Grant Nelson did. I mean, there's so many guys that, that made the jump. So are you surprised that he did it? Yeah, I think at this point when you get that, that nationality where – not nationality, but the national exposure, excuse me, the, the way A.J. Mitchell kind of has – I think it is a little bit surprising when we don't see them transfer up because they have the name power at that point. It, it should be easy, but also at the same time, sometimes the system being built around them rather than them integrating into an existing system may be more beneficial as well. He is a a player that I forgot who they played in the NCAA tournament. It was a, they played a team in the NCAA tournament and I thought he really like, had a, a decent game, and I thought that was going to be his last game at, at the school because I just thought, you know, it was on the big stage. Oh, it was Baylor. Yep. It was Baylor. He had 13 points and, and four assists. Um, but, yeah, I just thought, like, on that big stage, it just kind of opened him up for more pub publicity and more offers. And, I, and I'm I'm certain, and I, I can't say this with any, like, 
knowledge of it, but I'm certain that there was some power five school that had a major hole to fill that point guard and was like, hey, man, <laughs> come get down. The reason why I'm guessing he stayed, there's not a lot of places better than Santa Barbara, California. <laughs> so, I mean, it may have been a better basketball situation, but Santa Barbara is a great place to, to be in, in college and have the keys to the team. So I wonder what was that part of the deciding factor? All right. Who's next on, on your list of mid-major guys that you think can make some noise as far as like NBA draft buzz? So are we counting American athletic conference and the West coast conference before I go into that? Yeah. I mean, I mentioned Pajemski and Jalen cool. Williams. So yeah, yeah, that yeah, makes to sense. me they're, they're, they're mid-major. I mean, I just, just feel any like any of the non power six. Yeah. I feel like Gonzaga's like a power five or power six school in a mid-major right. conference. I felt the same way about Houston. Are, are they officially in the big 12? Well, they're in the big 12. Yeah. They're in the big 12 now. I get so confused. Like, I was just talking to it's a coach tough. from Oklahoma <laughs> this weekend. I was like, wait, are you guys SEC yet or, or Big 12? He was like, no, nah, next year for SEC. This, this conference <laughs> realignment is just, you know, the childhood yep. Raphael just doesn't even know. I mean, it's a hey, when when Stanford is on the Atlantic Coast Conference. <laughs> I just or sorry, was it Cal? One, whichever one. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and that, yeah, that's probably the most ridiculous one. But even to me, like Maryland in the ACC, like, I'm sorry, Maryland in the Big Ten. Yeah, it just doesn't fit. That, that is weird to me. Creighton. I mean, I grew up when Creighton was in the Missouri Valley. Creighton is yep. in the Big East. Like Creighton is in the middle of the country. It's, it's in the Big East. I mean, now they might as well just even take – the regional names out of it like actually though can't be the acc with west coast schools <laughs> but that that's a whole that's a whole different subject so yeah we are counting them but we'll have to get to the players from those conferences after we turn because i want to talk to the audience about fan duel like i mentioned in the open this is the perfect time to join FanDuel because right now, if you are a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about it, this is the time to join FanDuel. The NFL season is at the midway point. The NBA season just started. And FanDuel is very, very easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NBA season and the NFL season. You still got time left. So FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and locked on. All right. When we left off, we were talking about kind of got sidetracked. We were talking about the whole conference realignment and what is considered a, a mid-major. So who is the next player on your list? That is yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to just hammer home the American athletic conference here. Uh, I, I love Zurich Phelps uh, at, at uh, SMU. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously I'm in Dallas, so a little bit of bias there, but I, I liked him at Duncanville a couple, a uh, few years back now. 
six five combo guard, great defensive uh just instincts and on, honestly just great defensive stats that seem to translate. I know I've talked to a couple of people that really like those stats. The steal percentage is there, which is a big indicator in the advanced stats community. And I think his jump shot is really nice. I think a lot of the percentages don't actually reflect how good and efficient he is. He he was just on a team that he had to do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think this year we're going to see it gets a little bit better. They're not necessarily a tournament team this year, but they are a better team and he's going to shine because of that as their best player. Yeah, I had seen him play in high school. I think the first time I actually remember watching him play was a game where Duncanville played Ipsy Prep with Imani Bates. And Ron Holland was in that game, Imani Bates. And then, you know, I, I knew about him. Obviously, you know, he was highly touted. I had watched him play a few times uh, after that. Then he was kind of like an afterthought for me. I mean, wasn't thinking about him as an NBA prospect at all. And then I went to the AAC tournament in Fort Worth, and I was actually really there to watch Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks and caught an SMU game, and he really stood out to me. Like, the size is there, and I just thought that he had a really good game, and he was a guy that I put on my list that's like, I really have to consider him an NBA prospect. I actually plan on trying to go to a couple SMU practices to – you know, get a live look at him, but I'm I'm with you with him. He is not getting enough love as as a draft prospect. Yeah, and also he's like super strong. So next one, speaking of strong players in the American Athletic Conference, I I love. Uh, I still am back and forth. I've heard both uh, both ways to say this name, but is it Sion or Sion James at Tulane? I really like his game. I saw him last year come through. When they played SMU, I, I was watching actually for Jalen Cook. Didn't know really about Sion uh, Sion uh, James, and also his teammate Kevin Cross. While I'm here, I'll just do both. They're both very unique players. Uh, James is six five, so it's a little bit different. Kevin Cross is about six seven, six eight. Um, so his is just a little bit like their games are similar, right? Where they're not primary point guards, they make things happen. They do a lot of the dirty work. Both of them defend. But with with uh, Sion James, I mean, with him, it's just he does everything. He had a game where he almost had a five by five last year. He gets the ball on the uh, the loose balls on the glass. He goes after every loose ball with 100 percent effort. He sees the floor well. He makes plays happen on the defensive end. He's efficient. He gets to the rim. He's a bowling ball going to the rim. I just really like his game. The size is going to be a question mark, but everything else is there. You know, that Tulane team has quite a few guys that I believe are borderline. Well, I shouldn't say borderline. I think they're NBA prospects, but could have two-way deals or exhibit 10 deals. Yeah. Might be four guys on that team. And actually, um, uh, Jalen Forbes worked out in Dallas this summer. He worked out at the star. So I saw him quite a bit. I mean, he averaged 18 points a game last year. Like I said, Three or four guys that I think could at least be E tens or or two way guys, and there's some power five teams that don't have that. Let's go to Gonzaga for a second. I got two guys. I, I think one of them is somebody I feel like we've been waiting on a breakout coming for a bit, and that's Nolan Hickman. Uh, he's six two, which is kind of an awkward size for what he does. He's not a pure point guard, um, but I do think he has a lot of point guard chops and playmaking chops and 
I think the shooting is going to get better with volume. It wasn't bad this last year, 35%, but with him, I think he just needs to be more aggressive. And if he can get across that double digit points per game, I think it would be huge for him. And then also his teammate, Steel Venters, who transferred from Eastern Washington. I'm really excited about both those guys this year. I think just they're going to fit very well together. I'll be honest. I sold my Nolan Hickman stock. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't blame you. He, he's he been passive in his first two years. Like the percentages are nice. That's really it, though. I mean, 42, 35, 81 careers, like 43, <laughs> 33. He's way too passive. I, I gave yeah. him a pass his freshman year. And then last year, I was like, I, I don't see it. But I got a little intel here. Ryan Nimhart is going to be the man. They are giving him the keys, and he's. I've heard he's gotten stronger. I've heard he is a player that I should be looking at to have a big year, and he doesn't have he doesn't have as much talent around him like he had at Creighton, where you know at Creighton, I mean that was a really talented team as far as just NBA prospects. I mean, I think crazy team that could have four guys on, on last year's team that are maybe E10s at, at the minimum, two-way guys. And now Nimhart is going to have a situation that's more suited for him to score at, at Gonzaga. So I've heard that he is the guy that's going to have a huge year for, for them. All right, who's the next player on your on your list? So now, now I got to dig a little bit deeper. I don't know if this guy's a, a year one guy, but – We've talked about him before because he came over. He's one of these guys that's in the trend of Europeans who are coming over to the States, and he's also in the West Coast Conference. Uh, Dragos Lungu or Lungu from Romania. I really liked what he did in the youth tournaments for the last couple of years with Romania, uh, just as getting to the rim and creative shot creation. So I like him a lot. I'm interested to see. I don't know if he's a year one guy, but he is somebody to monitor long term at San Diego. Yeah, you've been talking about him for a while. I think he's your your new Isaiah Wong. You know, Isaiah's gone. Mike Miles is gone. No, no, no. So he there, has there's to be else. like, like your guy. No, that's Tristan De Silva, man. I know he's not mid major, but that's that's who it is for me. Actually, I met one of the Colorado coaches at a basketball practice a couple of days ago, and we were talking. I was actually asking him about Cody Williams, and he just kept raving about. Tristan De Silva, so he's good. Yeah, he he's he, good in my opinion. <laughs> he, he is really good. All right, when we return, we're gonna wrap up this episode on the last few guys that are mid major guys that you think could make some noise. But let's talk about an important subject, and it is Jace Medical because there's a lot going on in the world, and it's unrest just in different parts of the world. There's fires in Hawaii, there's hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, and all of that can lead to supply chain shortages for medication or the inability to get medications in a timely manner. And if you are someone that needs your medication, then I would suggest getting a Jace case because the Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that will treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case by adding life-saving medications based on your unique needs. And all you have to do is just go to Jace, 
medical.com that is j-a-s-e medical.com enter the code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at checkout and you can get a 20 dollar discount on your order that is the promo code locked on at j-a-s-e medical like i say you can get a personalized emergency medication kit with five essential antibiotics again jacemedical.com Our last segment, I want to get your thoughts on Elijah Martin. I feel like I am way higher on him than the consensus. I think he is an NBA player. I think teams are overthinking it, and I think draft guys are overthinking it. And I and I get the concerns, the limitations. He's 6'2". He basically played the four, and, um, you know, it, <laughs> he didn't have a lot of reps as a ball handler. And you really don't find too many guys that are going to be on draft boards that are 6'2", that rarely handle the ball. But I think he could have a jack-of-all-trades like this Marcus Smart slash Bruce Brown type role, in, in a sense. Even though both of those guys can play point guard and, and you know, make decisions. I don't think he's like that, but I just think more so as far as like on the defensive end, he plays much bigger than his size is is, is where I'm getting at. But he's a yeah. great athlete. Great athlete. So I want to hear your thoughts on Elijah Martin. Yeah, I mean, we had, what was the game? Was it Kansas State where he, he had a nice dunk? Like it was Baseline wanted, dunk, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would not know if he, he was 6'2", if, if like if you had to blindly guess, I think you would guess minimum six four, six five. Mm-hmm. Like he's somebody that I had seen a couple years ago at the conference USA uh, tournament in Frisco. And what I liked about him, I mean, how do you guard that explosiveness with that strength? His first step, he's strong. So if you try and put your chest into him, he's probably going to win without it being an offensive foul. Like I think he's just really difficult to guard. And like you said, he does do a lot of different things. I mean, the shot is nice. The athleticism's there. I think he can get to the rim. I think there's times where he gets a little bit passive, but overall, I mean, I, I think we're talking about somebody who he should have been deemed FAU's best pro prospect, but other guys took the cake. And uh, I think Elijah's that guy, though, for this year at FAU coming off that final four run. Yeah, I mean, I think defense is going to be his calling card, but I could just vision – I could just see him in the role as like this wild card off the bench that comes in and is a disruptor. He's tough. Like he's a football player. Like he was a highly touted football player. Mm. He was a quarterback. So he already has the, you know, the mentality. And I've actually heard a scout tell me like, I want football players that play basketball. There's a different mentality that comes along with it. Anthony Edwards is one of the guys that, that they use. And so with Martin, I mean, he's 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 physical, he's strong, has the athleticism, and he can shoot. If he wasn't a shooter, then I, I would probably get why people aren't really talking about him. But we're talking about a guy that has over 449 attempts from three in his career, and he has shot 38% from three, 90 games. There are guys that we label as shooters whose numbers do not even come close to that. And he's a good rebounder. He averaged five rebounds per game, which is not crazy. But, again, he's 6'2". And he averaged over a steal per game. And one of the things I I noticed about him is that he he does play defense. Like I said, he's a football player. 
But actually, I didn't see it with my own eyes, but I, I know he did some pre-draft stuff. And one of the things that I heard in his workouts were you can't screen him. Like he just refused to be screened. And I heard he played well, but he just didn't feel like he had enough buzz. And even the teams, and this is kind of, on one hand, it's kind of shocking, but then on the other hand, it might not be. One of the things that I heard was that a lot of teams didn't know about him. A lot of teams did not scout yeah. him until the, you know, the NCAA tournament. And so it wasn't like, like, for example, I use Bilal, Bilal Koulibaly, for example. If he's not playing with Victor, then a lot of teams would have wouldn't not have went over to scout him. But he was able to rise up draft boards because every team was going out to watch Victor. He had the games on TV and so on. And unfortunately for Elijah, even though they did play in you know a deep tournament run, teams just did not have enough info on him until very late. Actually, heard like the team that saw him the most, which is not surprising is the Miami heat just because yep. they're right there. And that was just kind of like the common theme is that teams just felt like we don't have enough info on him. And he he's coming back to school to obviously raise his draft stock. I think he's in a tough situation in a sense, kind of like Zach Eady. And you're probably thinking like, Raphael, what are you talking about? And what I say he's like Zach Eady is Zach needs to do the same exact thing he did last year. I don't think he needs to show NBA scouts that he can shoot <laughs> to try to help his draft stock because it's not in the best interest of the team. And for Elijah Martin, the best interest of the team is using him at that mismatch at the four where he's like knocking down threes. And if it's a hard closeout, he's attacking the rim on a straight line drive and finishing at the rim. I'm sure as an NBA, as a guy that covers the draft, I want to see him get some ball handling duties. I want to see him make plays out of pick and roll. I want to see him make decisions as a passer because he has more turnovers than assists. But that doesn't benefit Florida Atlantic. That's <laughs> looking to get back to the Final Four. So uh, I think teams are definitely going to pay a lot of attention to him, but I just can't imagine a situation where his role is going to be a lot different. Yeah, I mean, and kind of, I'll actually name another guy who kind of doing the dirty work as a four, but much more traditionally a four. Deron Holmes, what do you think of him? I thought he should have came out last year. I think the success yeah, of Tumani Kamar is maybe helping his case some. I mean, I like Tumani. <laughs> I like them a lot. Actually, he came on, he came on a podcast, and so um, it's, it's good to see him. Doing well. Actually, they I heard that when Phoenix made that trade, he was the one that they were like, I hate we gotta give him up. More so him than than Aiton. So there's a lot about that though. Yeah. I remember when you interviewed Tumani at the Combine. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, you were there. there. Yeah. Really, really nice guy. Um, but yeah, and and I think that Duran could have a even better year this year because he's He's not going to be sharing the paint with with um, Tamani. I did think that he was going to make a bigger jump from his freshman and sophomore year, and maybe it is because that he was playing with another NBA player on the team. I had someone tell me that they thought he put on too much weight, like mm -hmm. Dayton was trying to bulk him up and, and get him a lot stronger. 
And, and so that may have played a, a role because I, I didn't think that he was as bouncy and as explosive as he was his freshman year. So maybe put on the weight too fast. I mean, the flashes were definitely there. Um, flashes as a passer, there's some flashes as maybe he'll be able to space the floor. Not necessarily like three points space the floor, but you know, extend his range out to maybe the short corner, the elbow. So I think he is someone that is going to have a big year, but it's almost like his buzz is gone. Like he had it late in his freshman year, at least, you know, in the draft Twitter. Um, and I mean, draft Twitter is, uh, they, they, they can find some gems on draft. It's Twitter. crazy. The whale yeah. hunting that works sometimes. Like I, I, I get the whale hunting because sometimes you want to find that dude before no one else does. Sometimes it's a bit of a reach that it's we see crazy. where it's, I mean, but, it's getting crazy. But right there's now. like, I mean, yeah, there's highlight videos of dudes in D3. Like, I mean, it, it is insane. The reach, like it's good thing overall, but you know, the race to be first is definitely prominent, but yeah, with, with, uh, with Holmes and a bunch of these other guys, like there's been a, like, Oh, we found him kind of thing. Same thing. Actually, um, friend of the podcast, Bryce Simon, he, he's a guy who I, I think was a almost original guy on, on Dylan Jones, who's somebody else in, in is a mid-major. He's at Weber state, mm-hmm. uh, their first, or I guess second prospect, they have Joel, uh, I don't remember how to say his last name, but, Another um, guy that came on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, so Bryce found, you know, he's, he's seen Dylan Jones's game. I'm curious what you think of his too, because he's interesting because he's productive. He's smart. The athleticism just isn't there. Yeah. I mean, I thought Dylan Jones should have rode the wave into the draft this year. I think he would have got a two way at the minimum. I mean, unless Weber State's NILs is more than the two-way. I mean, he he goes from, what, Portsmouth to the Combine. I thought he played well. If you get a chance, go back and listen to the interview. I can't imagine a situation where he didn't interview well. I mean, he was a very impressive kid. It's so, or I shouldn't say kid, but he was just an impressive person. And actually, so when we did the interview, and this is kind of going to tangent, when we did the interview, they had shut down the combine. Everything was over. And I was trying to find a place to do an interview. And so he was like, well, I still have access to the locker room. So we went and did his his interview in like the locker room. But the fact that he went way above and beyond trying to find a space to do an interview for, for the podcast, I thought was, was beneficial to me more so than it was to him. But I mean, just a really nice guy. But I don't know what he can do to improve his draft stock a lot this year because I just thought, like, his name was hot last spring. And uh, I just thought that he he, he took a – it was a gamble to, to go back to school. Yeah, I think both him and Holmes should have come out. But I, I think they're still both intriguing pro prospects. Yeah, with Holmes, the issue was his his workouts weren't good, but he was sick. And he never said, I don't know if I forgot exactly what it was, but he did all his his workouts with with the illness. I don't know if it was like pneumonia. It was something that was going going around and the workouts weren't the strongest and he didn't want to cancel the workouts. I mean, it's a tricky situation because it's like if you start canceling workouts, it can either make teams think like, oh, he must have a promise or it can sound like you're ducking workouts. 
And so from from what I heard, that was the reason why he came back to school, because he just didn't feel comfortable where he was going to land because he just didn't have the strongest workouts. No, that makes sense. Is there anyone else that you want to talk about? Because I have a guy that I, I want to talk about. One more. Yep. Uh, I love I love Jay one house at, at New Mexico. I think he's Jose Alvarado 2.0. Also, if for a long term name to remember, Donovan Dent. Uh, his backcourt mate. He was a. He's now a sophomore. Outstanding defensive guard. I think he's somebody that makes an NBA uh, at least radar in a couple of years. But he's going to keep hiding as long as House is there. But that's it. My guy is Zeke Mayo. Have you had a chance to watch him? I have seen some highlights. I have not seen a full game. To be completely transparent, I like Zeke Mayo a lot. He's from Lawrence, Kansas. I don't understand how he got out. I mean, he's like from Lawrence, Kansas, like in KU's backyard. I mean, obviously yeah. KU was doing pretty well for themselves and they, you know, they're the number one team in the country right now. But Zeke Mayo is a guy that I really like. I love his court vision. He's just a natural playmaker and, and, and passer. Like he's a guy that if you watch his film or go to a game, all it takes is one pass and you're like, okay, this guy sees the floor. I mean, he just has that zip on his passes everything is on the money he can score um i want to say he like led the conference in, in in scoring maybe it was second in scoring he just exudes confidence plays with offensive creativity just has really good pace out of pick and rolls has good size um can shoot the ball excellent finisher at the rim my concern was that he's kind of like a high risk high reward passer even though i think he has a high iq and sometimes his turnovers are because his guys, his teammates just aren't ready for for his passes. But he just doesn't have like ideal like blow by speed and athleticism. But I do think that he is someone, if given a fair opportunity, could make a you know, could find a career as like a third point guard for, for an NBA team. I mean, like to me, if he can do what Teo Maladon does, and I'm saying Teo Maladon because he kind of fell out of favor in OKC, but I was at the Mavs Hornets game last night and he played really well. He controlled the game. I mean, he did everything that you want for a backup point guard. I think Zeke Mayo can can do the same. Hey, I'm all for it. A guy from South Dakota State. The last one I remember doing that was uh, the Dominator. I forget his first name, but uh, Mike Dom, Dom from Mike Nebraska. Dom. There's another guy on that team that I think could make some noise. His name is William Kyle. He is a really good athlete. He was raw. I know about him because he's from Omaha. Like I was watching Zeke Mayo and I, I came across, you know, the guy that was finishing the, the pick and rolls and, and finishing the lobs. And I'm looking, I was like, okay, it was just the way he exploded off the ground. And I look and I realized, like, okay, I, I know who that kid is. He is someone that I actually had some schools tell me like they're monitoring him as a a guy that they're going to pursue in, in the portal, which <laughs> like the world that we live in now in college sports is power five schools are looking for guys that are, you know, they may have been a little raw. They, they want them to develop at mid-majors and then they want them to come in and help their team win when they're juniors or seniors or fifth year seniors, or if, if you yeah. started school at a, <laughs> during 2020, you could be a sixth year senior. So William Kyle is a name to, to remember very, very raw, but just has like 
a motor and just jumps off the floor. Well, that wraps up this episode on the mid-majors. I actually like doing the mid-majors because it's almost like showing out a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's the it's not the sexy stuff. No number one pick is a mid-major outside of like what two guys, I feel like. It's very rare a mid-major. I mean, John Moran was number two. I'm trying to even think of who else was that high recently. Yeah, I, I mean someone obvious. I mean, I guess Taylor Hendricks was a lottery. Lillard, Steph, but I mean, it's not a lot of guys that that are coming from from mid majors. But I, I just like it because you know you're. It's almost like if if you get a victor right, you know what I mean. Like everybody got that right, but to me, like doing really good draft work is if you find a guy at a mid major that has an eight year career. I mean, one of my favorite stories, he's not, he didn't go to a mid-major, but like a guy like George Niang was like the last pick in the draft and George or, or close to the last pick in the draft. George is going to play 10 years. Like that's a real like success story. And so I love the guys like Craig Porter. You know, I think Craig Porter is going to find a way to stick in the NBA as this 6-2 defensive ace. And so to me, like talking about, you know, the, your Craig Porters or your mid-major guys that have a chance of, of sticking, going from maybe E-10s to two ways and getting converted to standard contracts. To me, that is fun. Almost as fun as talking yep. about international. Yep, players. the fringe guys are fun, man. Yep. All right, well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Once again, Big shout out to Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Statement, for putting in the work talking about the mid-major guys. And thank you, the listener, for making the Lockable NBA Big Word Podcast your first listen of the day. College basketball season is back, so we finally got some games to talk about. Once again, it's Raphael Richard Statement, and we are out.